Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. From KUNC and the NPR Network, this is In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Thursday, February 29th. I'm Erin O'Toole. There's a ghost town that sits just off Highway 34 outside of Greeley. A couple of deteriorating buildings and a sign mark the spot. In the early 1900s, it was home to Deerfield. The thriving agricultural community founded by O.T. Jackson was Colorado's largest black homesteading site. Settlers grew corn, winter wheat, melons, and strawberries, and the community enjoyed great prosperity. I think it's very, very important to have Deerfield be an example of what black people could do and have done and have and the future of what black people could do. That's George June. The University of Northern Colorado professor has studied Deerfield for several decades. We wanted to hear from him as the National Park Service is studying Deerfield for potential inclusion in the park system. Professor George June, welcome to In the NOCO. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Well, you're one of the main reasons many of us even know about Deerfield. I'm wondering what sparked your interest in this unique, historically Black community. I found out about Deerfield by accident. I came from uh, Michigan, and I had to get my car registered and everything like that. And I went to an office in Denver to do that. And the guy that was there at the desk told me about Deerfield. I'd never heard of it before. And then one time when I was driving back to Michigan, where I was uh, getting my PhD, I saw a sign that said Deerfield and stopped there just about 30 years ago. And uh, I've been interested in ever ever since. That's amazing. I love how just a random conversation sparked this kind of lifelong journey for you. Yes. Tell us about the people who settled in Deerfield. Who were they? Where did they come from? Well, the people that settled there, because it was a homesteading site, and in fact, there's there's two aspects of Deerfield. One is that it's the homesteading colony, and then the second is the downtown area. And many people know about the downtown area, but don't realize that there were about 20,000 acres under cultivation. And the people that came there were from several states. There was even a family from Mexico, a black family from Mexico. And that's because Mexico was the southern end of the Underground Railroad. So we do have that. You have people who are mixtures of blacks and whites, of blacks and Indians, blacks and Latinos, and so forth, that made that colony up. And they wanted to have their own home, their own land. And fortunately, the weather out there was great. And they did not need water because the rainfall took care of everything. And unfortunately, what they didn't know at the time was that rain was in cycles. And therefore, in the 20s, the Dust Bowl comes in. And they had the best people from UNC and from CSU at that time helping them out. Mm, but ultimately, the Dust Bowl kind of put an end to Deerfield as it was, right? All the farming communities east of what is now Greeley, all the way into Nebraska, Kansas, and so forth. You had the, the uh, Okies going from Oklahoma to California and all that. So it was a big thing. I even saw a photograph taken in the daytime at Deerfield in the Dust Bowl. 
and you could hardly see anything. And the people out there say, if you looked at the sun on a bright day, all you saw was a blue circle in the sky. So it was horrible. But nobody realized the rain cycles and everything. Before that, they had bumper crops of everything. And the governors would come out at the harvest festivals. So that's how great Deerfield was. And what's so interesting to me, and something that you have learned over the decades that you've spent studying Deerfield, is how absolutely vibrant the community was. We know at its peak, there were about 300 people who lived there, and a number of businesses, um, including a grocery store that they built, a blacksmith shop, um, plus a school, churches, and a dance hall. Could you talk about the role that this sense of community had in helping people thrive there? Well, the people were, they had not uh, farmed before, and there were people in the communities around that thought they would fail. And then after a couple of years, they were just amazed that these people are great. They put everything they have into running everything. And now O.T. Jackson, he was a messenger for a few governors. So he was in Denver a lot of the times, and he even wrote that the people who were responsible for the success of Deerfield mainly were the women and the children, because the men were out of out in Denver, other places, working to get money to get the seed and the tools and everything they needed. So the day-to-day operations, at least at first, were the women and children that got it off the ground. That sounds like a tough life. I mean, you had the men going out and working day jobs, basically, in Denver, and then coming back and farming and homesteading in their off time? It was a lot of hard work. But after a couple of years, though, the men did not have to leave to work because the, the farming was, was fantastic. They were able to have bumper crops of everything. And they also had the animals, the chickens, the geese, the horses, the cattle, and everything like that they had out there as well. So it was a big, successful community until the Dust Bowl came in. Right. And again, they certainly knew how to have fun in the off time. They had music and dancing and people even used to come from outside of Deerfield to enjoy that. Yes. One of the founders of Deerfield, one of the first people to settle there, he played the banjo and his brother-in-law played one of the other instruments. And so they used to have dances at Deerfield on Saturday nights. Now, the thing about that is that white people in a community would come to the dances. And they would be on the same dance floor together. Meanwhile, in Denver, you have the rise of the Ku Klux Klan. One of the largest claverns is called in the country was in Denver. But at Deerfield, they have black people and white people on the same dance floor dancing and also helping each other. They will loan each other equipment and so forth. One of the first wheat, uh, the, the harvesters, was owned by a black farmer in Deerfield. And he would loan it not only to people at Deerfield, but to his white neighbors. I also talked to a Mexican-American guy who's dead now. He was 90s when I talked to him several years ago. Some of his family intermarried with some of the people in Deerfield and the sister community of Chapleton. So, again, you have the rise and separation of the clan in Denver, and you have people intermixing and so forth out at Deerfield. Deerfield had a softball team that played against the white softball teams in the area. So all these things are going on, and you have to take care of each other because in a farming thing, you never want to get your neighbors mad because you never know when you're going to have to borrow something. George, what do you think studying this community of the past can best teach us about the present? I think it shows that in spite of some of the stereotypes that some people, not all people, but some people have about African-Americans being lazy, don't want to work, 
we could see at that particular time how fantastically hard that they were. And there was written up in newspapers. There's even uh, some comments from the white farmers in the area who were just amazed at how hard that they worked. They had they built their own school. They had their churches. They had everything. There's even reports from the sheriff's department that said they were just really amazed that there's hardly any crime in Deerfield. And these are the kinds of things that, if given the opportunity, people will help themselves and will expand. And that's one of the that's one of the main things that happened at Deerfield. Yeah, such a great example of self-reliance and resilience. Yes. Well, Professor George June, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for asking me and keep an eye out on Deerfield. And perhaps if you haven't gone out there, um, you may be able to go out there at some time when it becomes part of the National Park Service. And if you want to learn more about Deerfield, check out our show notes for some links or head to KUNC.org. That's it for us today here on In the NoCo. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm your host, Erin O'Toole. We'll see you tomorrow with more of what's happening in Northern Colorado.